Hey, Jake. I like video games. Well, hey, Tony. I like video games, too. Fantastic. And welcome to another episode of Hey, I Like That Spooky Game. Ah! <laughs> that was really fucking dumb. <laughs> I was very dumb. I was going to try to do a song, but then it didn't seem right after how much you like put the spooky in that spooky game. Jake, it's been um, it's been kind of a short while in between our last recording. Uh, have you been playing any video games uh, in the past like two weeks? Yeah, I have been playing a singular video game. Uh, as we are still mm, just on that sweet, sweet cusp of a fresh batch of new Pokemon. I've been mm. playing... Pokemon Ultra Sun, which is the okay. most recent main series game. Just, you know, making yeah. sure I'm refreshed on all the most recent generation before I hop into the new one. And since, you know, we just did play some Pokemon for the last episode, and I played some before the last episode, too, I wanted to kind of just, like, you know, go at this one through a different style. So there's uh, sometimes you play, like, with the Nuzlocke, so it's, like, playing yep. basically on hard mode. Or just kind of, like, how I normally play which is i'm not going to catch them all i'm not going to like you know find every single one in every remote court remote corner i'm just kind of like putting my head down getting the pokemon i think are like really cool or like i think are really strong and really neat and then just going through the game that way uh but since you know it's still another like three weeks four weeks before the next game comes out i gotta stretch this one out nice and long so I'm taking the time to like catch as many as I can. I probably not. I'm not going to go for like the full Pokedex because shit. There's like 800 at this point, and that's just exhausting. But you know, every time I come across a new one, I'm making sure I catch it. And you know, exploring the areas to try to get as many as I can, and making sure to you know engage with the story a bit more. Uh, I personally have. I'm just going to say the bad habit of in text-heavy games, just you know mashing that a button to get to the gameplay as fast as possible but now this one i'm just like you know i'm trying to you know just sip and savor this this game because i gotta make it last for a bit and it's been fun it's a i don't know it's a really enjoyable way of going about it like there are some times where i feel myself getting a little bit impatient with it but i like I don't know. I like catching them all. <laughs> like, it's the main hook of the game. It's why yeah. we all fell in love with it, like, 25 years ago, and it's still really fun. Uh, so I've just been playing a whole lot of that. Uh, I mean, I've been playing Bioshock for this episode, but in my commute every day, I'm taking out my Game Boy and playing that, you know, around home a bunch, too. It's just, they're strong games. They're really fun. And this one kind of... I think it's a bit bloated, maybe. Not yeah. not necessarily like in the number of Pokemon, but just in kind of that it drags story-wise. There's too many interruptions to what's going on. And, like, sure, the story's fine, and, like, I'm actually taking the time to try to engage with it and, like, read through the dialogue and give all the characters' voices in my head. But then at some point, it's just like, Jesus, you've been talking for so long. And you're just, <laughs> you know, spouting off all the you know, normal anime <laughs> stuff of, like, friendship right. and... The one right, character right, right. who it's like is it's like comes across as like the overly nice person. You're like, well, obviously they're mean. So, like, obviously they're gonna be a bad guy later on. So I don't care. Like, anyway, there are like little gripes with it, but Pokemon's still fun. I'm I'm super psyched. I'm definitely getting Pokemon Sword because I gotta get me a Surfetched. I know I'm 100%. I'm in the same I'm in the same boat. I was actually just talking with my neighbor about that. 
right before we recorded. Uh, it was the same thing. It's like, which one has the far-fetched uh, evolution in it? Yep, that's the one I'm getting. That's a, Exactly. <laughs> nothing else. But yeah, that's really what I've been playing. What about you, Tony? What have you been getting into? I, I just want to say one thing before we move on. It is mm-hmm. not shocking to me at all that you never paid attention to any of the story of the Pokemon games because you don't do that in any video game. You never pay attention oh, to the story. Oh, you're going prepare to prepare to eat those words later on when we start talking about this game. <laughs> all right. Um, so I've played two games I want to talk about. Uh, the first is Sonic Mania. So I got it on uh, PlayStation Plus months and months ago, and I, I downloaded it, but I had never played it. Um, I was always intrigued by it. As you may or may not know, Sonic Mania is a kind of new Sonic game that came out, I believe, last year uh, that was kind of made by, like, fans of the game, like, fans of the original, like, 2D Sonic games, and then they got, like, hired by Sega to make this game, uh, or, like, contracted by Sega to make this game, whatever it was, and you can really tell that from the game. It feels feels like a love letter to, like, Sonic 1, 2, and 3, uh, for sure, and it looks great. They added, like, some subtle uh, new animations to it. The graphics have, like, a nice, like, sheen of polish mm-hmm. on it it looks like a better version of sonic 3 uh and sometimes like at most points but <sighs> here's the thing i love the music i think the art style looks great some of the bosses are actually like really inventive and interesting like so like there's you know spoilers for this like two-year-old game basically but there's a part where you fight a boss that's actually a uh an instance of Dr. Robotnik's mean bean machine and it just like drops you into it out of nowhere and it's fucking hilarious and it's great like it's it's such a good use of like all of the things that make Sonic Sonic here's the thing though I just don't I don't think I like Sonic video games I like I don't like the way they play uh they feel disjointed like it's to me Sonic should feel like super fluid and fast and it, they never feel that way. I, maybe I'm playing them wrong, but, like, the platforming is really frustrated. I never feel like I'm, like, fully in control of my character. Unlike a Mario game where I feel like control is really precise and perfect. Like, Sonic feels, like, slippery and, like, I, I don't know. It just, it's really absolutely frustrating mm-hmm. to me that that, like, I can't run through the level super fast without without like missing a beat like and again maybe i'm just not playing it right but like the thing that this game does is that it it will do like a remade version of a classic level like green hill zone or like the chemical um it's a chemical plant or i I can never remember what that second world is in sonic 2 but they'll do like a remix of that level oh no not not really a remix it's a pretty true to form version of that then the second level will use that same art style same music but then make a brand new level off of it those levels are always better than the original yeah like the sonic adventures ones no no no, not sonic adventure oh it's uh, not, i i i thought that was like the one that went like 2d sonic then it would do like modern 3d sonic renditions of those no no no, no. so it's like it's like okay. here's here's your classic level that you remember and then here's a remix of that using a lot of the same elements or introducing some mm-hmm. like little new components to it there are some worlds that are wholly new like um I think like the third world is like the casino level, which is like a new property. Oh, the casino level's been in things before. I think that was in Sonic 2. Right, 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 but it's not 
like Green Hill Zone is Green Hill Zone yeah. from Sonic Two. Like the first oh, level yeah, 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 yeah. is that level with like the new graphics, but it is that level. This is a world that's like the casino world, but it's more like a um, like old school Hollywood show business thing. Like there's like a popcorn thing, but there's like <laughs> but there's still like casino like elements to it. Um, yeah. Anyways, like that's a wholly new world, but. Um, yeah, I just don't think I like playing Sonic games. And the other thing, oh my god, the other thing that's so frustrating about this game is the they picked the absolute worst checkpoint minigame to duplicate. It, it, it's absolutely, like, unacceptable. They picked, um, I think it's the Sonic 3 one, where, like, you're running over, like a, like, a globe, and you have to pick up the blue spheres and not run into the red oh, ones. Oh, that one! Fu- what? Dude. Shut your mouth. That one's great. Oh, it's the fucking worst. Sonic 2 has the best minigame for that, the one where you have the half pipe and you gotta get the, the rings. That one is by Yeah, fu- the half pipe's pretty cool. That I don't know. I like the, I like the spear one. That's like a, basically like a puzzle game instead. Oh, it's like my you're playing but Snake. It can, but it controls like shit. It controls like... It's oh, like a directional pad. Come d- on, No, Tony. it's really... It's, it's really four bad. buttons. No, it's oh, really wait. bad. Well, anyway, I'm glad. I'm glad you said that about Sonic because I've never. I don't know. I was never on the, like the Sonic hype train. Uh, I know we had a Genesis growing up, and we had Sonic Two. Yeah, and that game's Sonic fun. Two or three. That game's fun. I would fun. always play Tails because I like playing Tails. I don't like Sonic's bullshit. I don't yeah. like his attitude. And Tails can fly. Tails is just the superior Sonic. Yeah. Uh, it, but yeah, I. You know, it never controlled well to me. I always liked the feel of Mario games more. Yeah. And, like, the quote-unquote, like, speed of Sonic, it always just felt gimmicky to me. And you can never really, like, utilize that speed in a fun way. Right. It's like when you when you do, like, hit top speed and you're really going for it, like, you're hitting your jumps and, like, you find, like, that optimal path, then I feel like Sonic feels great. But... Mm-hmm. I can't find that path in every level. Some levels you just can't. Uh, or at least I can't. And it just doesn't feel right. But like I said, the music in Sonic games, and I really do like the art style. Like, I love the way Sonic levels look. I like the way Sonic looks. Like, I I love all that stuff. All of the the stuff around the gameplay I'm really into. But, like, actually playing it, it's just not, it's not my favorite. But um, mm-hmm. I actually, I spent, like, a couple hours with it. And, um, you know, it makes me want to load up that soundtrack, but never play it again. But, like, at the same time, the fact that there's a mean bean machine boss level makes me feel like there's some other cool <laughs> shit that happens in this game that I may not ever get to see if I don't finish it. So I, I might go back to it. But the other game that I've played, super duper cool game. Um, it's honestly, if we weren't recording this episode right now, I'd be playing it. It's and I haven't had I haven't had a game grab me as as um, as hard as this one has. Uh, it's a game called Control. Uh, it's made by the company. Oh shit! That's the Alan Wake people, right? Yeah. So Remedy. Uh, they made Alan Wake. They did Quantum Break. Um, they've done something else that I'm, I'm I'm forgetting about. But they they're known for making like really interesting story based games that have usually some really interesting use of like FMV in their games. They always like to have like just a lot of the details really fleshed out. Like they usually have like a TV show somewhere in the in their games somehow or they'll have like radio plays or they have like all these other little things. But they haven't made a game to me that's had really compelling gameplay yet. 
until this game. Uh, so, yeah. so control is it's like a Metroidvania type setup where you're in this you're in this building called the oldest house, which is a um, a government facility that houses the Federal uh, Bureau of Control. They're basically like. It, you get a lot of X Files kind of the, uh, feels from it, so like weird mm-hmm. paranormal stuff, um, just a lot of like, just like, just like weird spooky stuff going on with it. It has it. It seems it's it's actually a good parallel to the game that we're playing for this episode. Um, it has one of the best and most interesting art directions I've seen in a game ever. It's gorgeous to look at. It's there's a lot of like really stark colors and sharp lines and just just it's very compelling to 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 watch and to just to look at the story so far is really fascinating um i don't want to spoil anything of of the story but it it pulls you in instantly to the game's mystery into the game's characters um without telling you a lot of things like it like you hit the ground running in this game. You know, there isn't a a slow build. It's you walk right into the story, um, which is really cool. The other thing that's amazing about it: every collectible that you pick up helps build the world in a really, really fascinating way. Like I've read and watched every collectible so far. I I focus on trying to seek them out. Like this is a game I will get everything in. And I, I, I want to know everything about this world. It's it's super fucking fun. I've been playing it with Christy, and she's just as hooked into it as I am. Um, it's it's really really fun. And the gameplay itself, it's you know it's a third person shooter, but you have like powers, and those powers are very they feel very fluid and like really aggressive. Um, and there's like shooting elements to it too. So it's like. Some of the some of the um, combat arenas feel forced at times, um, and sometimes a little frustrating. But the game's so fun to, to watch in motion that like I almost don't mind it. Um, and it, the story and the elements of the characters and the and just the way the world looks is drawing me in so much that like I can forgive some of the gameplay bugaboos that I've ran into because I just want to get mm-hmm. to the I want to get to the next thing. I want to know what's happening in this world. So um control if you're on the fence about buying it or if you've never heard of it, check it out. Like I, I this is a a buy from me for sure. Um I'm only like maybe three, three and a half hours in, I'm guessing. And it's it's already like cemented in my mind like this is one of my favorite games of the year like the only the only thing that could like turn me sideways on this game is if like the story just like completely falls apart and it gets really frustrating gameplay wise but this game makes a hell of a first impression and it's definitely worth checking out for sure that's uh all right that's control i've been hearing good things about that like good rumblings but i think that's really what I don't know, put me over the edge just now, you giving it that, that thumbs up, because I, I haven't really had any, like, games grab me this year. Uh, probably, like, the Resident Evil 2 remake has yeah. been the only one, like, this year that I've played that I've really, like, loved and, like, felt really into. Um, so, like, this sounds like a, a really fun type of game like that. So I think I'm, I think I'm going to pick it up. Yeah, cool. Cool, cool. All right, well... Um I think that does it for the top of the show. We are going to go on a little break, but when we come back, we are going to talk about Bioshock. 
Hey everybody, Jake here. Hope you're enjoying this episode of Hey I Like That Game. If you have a question or a recommendation for Tony and I, you can reach us on our email address, which is heyilikethatgame at gmail.com. You can tweet me at likethatgame, or you can find our Facebook page, which is the Hey I Like That Game podcast. Anyway, enjoy the rest of the show. Bye. And we're back. Welcome back to Hey, I Like That Game. Uh, we're talking about Bioshock this episode. Got to keep on the spooky theme. So Bioshock came out in, was it 20... 20 uh, 2007. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 20, uh, 2007 uh, by Irrational Games, which kind of became like 2K Boston. Uh, it was the the kind of brainchild of Ken Levine, who's kind of a... Uh, industry luminary uh, at the time first person shooter very atmospheric it's a classic video game like a, this is the type of game that shows up on a lot of people's like top 10 favorite video games of all time lists um it is uh iconic i would say in the video game industry it it's a fantastic fantastic video game um and definitely spooky jake what's your history with this game i did buy this game when it came out. I think I got it like right at right at launch. I was taken back by this game because I had never played like System Shock Two, which this is yeah. like kind of like a gameplay successor to. Um, so I didn't really know how atmospheric it was going to be. So this game caught me off guard so hard. Uh, so just like right from the top, like Tony said, iconic, fantastic game. I got a new appreciation for it playing it again. Definitely a hey like that game. We're going to spoil a lot of stuff. If you've somehow never had this game like ruined for you or you don't know much about this game at all, stop listening now, play this game. It holds up. It's great. And yeah. spoilers and whatnot from here on out, even for like probably games later in the series. Um, so yeah, this game starts way intense. Like even even in just even in just like the starting menu. So when you select different options, it's like it's a different piano key that yeah. it's like this like weird like melodic kind of like almost eerie like piano melody that plays when you select different options in the menu, and it's just like never has a game so quickly and so definitively set up its atmosphere yeah it's and then you have yeah it's great it's great it's it's like unsettling like this game does this really really amazing job of constantly feeling like eerie and unsettling like it's it's creepy it's like a really creepy game right right so it starts there's like i think maybe like two sentences of the character talking about something in a plane and then the plane crashes and you start out in the middle of the water in, like, this fiery plane crash, and you swim towards the only, like, dry land there is, which is this eerie-looking lighthouse up this eerie-looking staircase, and inside the door that's open is pitch black, and I remember, I still distinctly remember playing this for the first time, I thought, I don't want to go in there, I don't want to do this anymore, like, right away, the game's eerie atmosphere got to me, but you do, and you go inside this lighthouse into like this uh diving helmet helmet like a bathosphere and you get in and you start going into the water and then what is 
easily one of the most like iconic theses of a game, which is Andrew Ryan yep. like spouting his philosophy over this video. Uh, is a man not entitled to the sweat of his brow? And yes. it kind of sets up like the, the philosophy of the antagonist, one of the antagonists, and kind of it's like this atmosphere. And then it reveals Rapture, this underwater city with this amazing art deco design. Oh, my God. And it's just like, holy shit. And Dude. then you get into the city and immediately shit hits the fan. Like, yeah. there's this guy who's coming to try to get you out of the cage, or the the bathosphere, and he is gruesomely killed by one of the, the spider splicers. And then from there, it's just, the game has you hooked. Yeah, um, yeah. No game makes an atmosphere so effective and so quickly. That persists throughout most of the game. Oh, absolutely. Like the I, I think you're you're spot on in that in that assessment. Like the the art style, the the introduction to the art style of this game is is super duper cool. Like Rapture as a location, like if it's not the most fleshed out and coolest location of a video game, like tell me what is, you know? Like it's the it to yeah. me is like the perfect example of your environment is a character of the video game you know like it is that is the main character of the game rapture i want to discover rapture more i want to look through this city because it's so fascinating it's this like 1950s world that's just like trapped underwater you know it's it's and it's like an art deco utopia you know like it's Mm -hmm. it's so so pretty um it's it's definitely one of the coolest looking games of all time, in my opinion. I was playing the uh, the remastered version of it, so it looked a little bit better than the original. But like, man, it's just it's such a compelling vision for for what the world should look like and how it behaves. Um, it's yeah, it's it's re- like, and just the idea of an underwater city that's like kind of born from unrestrained scientific discovery and art creation is like such an amazing idea and it and it and it forms in such a compelling way that the it the game begs you to play it like it, it begs you to explore and like see every little piece of it right yeah you're always uncomfortable but you always you always want to keep looking um yeah. and this game's aesthetic is really good i played the original like disc release on the 360 like i still have that disc and uh-huh. um this game is just again uh, is an argument for kind of this mantra that i have that like stylized graphics over realistic graphics are always 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 going to hold up better um i mean we'll see how things go now that everything's essentially like getting to photorealistic but like especially of this era uh this game was made 12 years ago but it still looks really good there are like some issues with like texture popping here and there everything's like a little bit exaggerated the proportions of the the human characters are like a bit exaggerated, uh, but in a way that looks really good. And all yeah. the technology has this like fifties vibe where it's like tubes and like analog magnetic tape and whatnot. And it's like, it all seems like very steampunk, but like retro future in a really, really cool way. Yeah. It's like, um, imagine the great Gatsby. I'm talking about like the movie version of the great Gatsby <laughs> that Leonardo DiCaprio is in, but everybody is fucked up on drugs 
and they're bleeding from their eyeballs, and they're killing one another. That's what this game looks like. Pretty much. Yeah. And that's, yeah. And I, I really want to talk about, like, so the, the reason I picked this game for, for this, you know, specific time, and, you know, hey, I like that spooky game, is that I feel like this game, better than almost any other video game I've played, does horror extremely well. Because, like, I'm not a horror fan, usually. Because, like, horror to me, it, it so often is, okay, here's a jump scare, here's, like, over-the-top brutality, stuff like that. You know, the, the easy horror stuff, the easy scares. Mm-hmm. This game does does some of that, but it, it does the psychological horror stuff you know, just so extremely well. Like, it uses shadows to really convey a lot of messages and to really, like, freak you out. You know, like, if you're walking down a hallway, you know, Rapture at this point is is in its fall you know like the city is kind of falling apart some shit has gone wrong people are going insane and becoming murderous so there's a lot of times you're walking through a hallway and you hear like somebody quietly whispering to themselves or you hear them laughing or the the way the shadows play against the wall is like you'll see somebody moving and their shadows cast it on the wall and they appear much bigger than they actually are but it's just like it's just really creepy and the little sisters um if we want to like get into that part like the Mm -hmm. one one of the things that one of like the themes of this game or like one of like the, the the overarching things that happens in this game is that um, there is this material called Atom, which allows you to basically like reshuffle your DNA, which gives you powers. So you can like take this atom or this the, what they call like a plasmid, and like all of a sudden now you're able to um, to create fire or to create an electric shock or to do you know various different effects. The little sisters are kind of this mutated little girl that have a large resource of Atom. And protecting the little sisters are, you know, one of the most iconic enemy types in all of video games, the big daddies. You know, like there's these giant dudes in like really old school diving gear. So they have like a giant like a bubble helmet kind of thing. And they some of them have like rivet guns and some of them have these giant drills. But they're always like these big hulking bodyguards for the little sisters. And... The little sisters look very creepy. Like, their eyes are kind of glowing. They all look kind of, you know, sickly. But they still act like little girls. You know, like, when you see them in the in the world, like, they're kind of skipping around. And they're they're leading around their big daddy. Like, they're, they're little kids. But you're kind of tasked with either killing or saving the little, um, the little sisters. And it's, it's, like, super duper creepy the way they present these these figures, you know, the, these two characters, like they're very creepy looking and like the fights of the big daddies are really hardcore for the most part, really challenging. After you kill a big daddy, the little sister will go over to like the corpse of this, of this thing and start crying over it. Start, and, and it'll, it'll call him Mr. Bubbles. And like, it's just, just like heart wrenching, absolutely heart wrenching that this little girl that you could tell, like, has nobody has nothing and then like what did you just fucking do like you just killed their protector their you know their everything their world and um the game does this really and like the the psychological horror part you know that in and of itself horrifying that like you did this right you put this little girl into this situation like you're the monster right but then on top of that 
you can either harvest the atom from this little girl from the from the little sister and get more kind of currency to to upgrade yourself to become stronger or you can save them you can kind of cure the the little sister and uh kind of make them uh, return them to like a normal little girl's form and the very first time they put you in the situation where you have to make that choice the the game kills the 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 big daddy for you and then like you you have to like approach this little girl and she's backing away from you she falls on the ground she's backing away she backs herself into this corner and it presents you with this like save or kill basically and it's it is such a powerful vision powerful image because you have this little girl who just like looks horrifying but she's acting like a little girl and you have to, to make that like selfish choice to like make yourself stronger or to save her. It's just, it's extremely powerful imagery, but still so horrifying at the same time. Like, Oh my God, it's just, it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. And it's like, it, it, it sticks with you. Like those moments really, really stick with you. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. This game like has something to say it also kind of like makes you want to think and that's something i could kind of grasp before when i was younger and playing this but was able to really engage with more at this point yeah um kind of like this idea of so andrew ryan the guy who made rapture the city is like a vague uh proxy for ayn rand philosophy which is basically like objectivism unfettered capitalism stuff like that and um that choice that you're given each time is sort of the do you choose to kill the little sister get more resources and basically like accept Andrew Ryan's philosophy of you are entitled to the sweat of your own brow like true selfishness build yourself up regardless of what it costs other people or do you reject that and save them and go through altruism which gives you personally less but it doesn't really like give a gameplay incentive for going through that option i mean in the end you the amount of atom you get from saving or harvesting eventually evens up because every three you save you get a gift of atom yeah but like generally it like allows you to sort of engage with the philosophy of the game through those choices i wish it had a little bit more like gameplay repercussion but um i, I mean like in general the game it oh, sorry, go ahead. I, it's, it's enough i feel like it's enough you know like it, it i agree that like i wish it it would do more with that at times but I, I feel like you you had to make that a little bit more simple and like i think oh yeah yeah, yeah. like the saving of the little sister early on like you kind of have to commit to like i'm gonna save these little girls you can't really switch back and forth i mean i guess you could but like it's, you could, but there's no reason. To. Right, you, you might as well just stick to one path or the other. But yeah, like, I feel like it, it, it kind of needed to be that simplistic um, to to get into it. But yeah, I think you're, you're spot on about that, the Andrew Ryan thing. Like, they portray this person as, you know, if capitalism is left unchained, this is what could happen. And it's like, oh, this place is amazing looking, but look at what fucking happened. Look at the late stage capitalism here. Everything falls to right. sh- everything falls to shit, and everyone's murdering one another. You know, like this is what happens when it's when it's just uncontrolled. 
Right, right, yeah, kind of like you get into that bathosphere, you hear the the speech of, like, entitled of the sweat of your own brow, and you see the cool splendor that is rapture, and you're like, okay, I could kind of get behind that. And then you get immediately, you get inside, and, like, immediately the veneer of everything wears off, and you're like, oh, like, this is what happens when everybody, like, just goes for themselves. Yeah. And what's kind of, I think, I would like to say intentional by the game designers is Andrew Ryan himself sort of um, refuses his own philosophy in order to achieve power the big banner in the lighthouse is no gods or kings only man um and then like through when you learn about the backstory through the recordings and what the characters tell you you find that andrew ryan was essentially trying to make himself a king he was taking away that free will of other people that he claims to have valued so much to give himself more power uh, like pretty early on you find out that he mind controls the splicers into doing his work and it's like that's such a clear rejection of yeah. this utopian vision he had his ho- but it's also sort of like the logical conclusion of that objectivist philosophy of like unrestrained self-actualization self-preservation of people yeah yeah it's gonna it's gonna lead to like an insane class system which is gonna lead to rebellion i also think it's deliciously ironic that in this unfettered capitalist utopia he tried to make there's a black market yeah right exactly (laughs) (laughs) which is like where the uh main antagonist of the game fontaine kind of like makes his makes his money and makes his own power and and now that you brought fontaine let's let's kind of let's kind of um start moving towards you know the the real fucking big thing in this game so um oh my god the best twist as as you described jake the the game starts off with like you you go into this lighthouse you go into this little like um little submarine type ship and you go down into rapture and the entire game you're led along uh, along your path from each objective to each objective by this uh, voice that is called Atlas. Atlas is um, supposedly somebody who is there in Rapture that is just trying to make it out themselves. You know, they I, I think he mentions that he has a family and, like, you are just kind of this um, unfortunate soul that ended up at the wrong place at the wrong time. And Atlas is like, we can work together to both get out of this alive. As you progress through the story... Atlas does a lot of things that, you know, really at times make you question, you know, who he is and what his intentions are. Like, Atlas is really trying to push you to harvest the little sisters, right? Um, So, like, you can make your own choices there, but, like, he's clearly like, oh, no, harvest his little sisters. You know, do this, do that. The, The big aha moment of this game is when you do have your fateful, your fateful meeting with Andrew Ryan. And Atlas kind of reveals himself to be this Fontaine character who is also trying to grasp for power in Rapture. And you find out that the game kind of spins on its own head, that everything that you thought you knew has actually been kind of a lie. Atlas reveals that there is this this phrase, would you kindly, that is basically... You know, to what you alluded to earlier, Jake, that um, you know you can control people. This word would you or this phrase "would you kindly" is like your trigger word. And when you see those those combination of words, or when you're told those combination of words, you're basically a slave. 
So there's a really powerful moment where, where that reveal happens, where it does like this kind of montage of all of these moments that happened earlier in the game where Atlas, yeah. where Atlas is talking to you and you hear, would you kindly? And I, I, I remember when I originally played this game, I didn't even think about it. Like maybe, like maybe I heard it once in a while. It's like, yeah, like whatever. I say interesting all the time. You know, like it's just like that's, that's, how, <laughs> that's how I talk, right? Like that's how I talk. Um, so you wouldn't, you wouldn't think that that meant anything. And then it's like, oh shit. So it's, it's revealed that you as the player character, Jack is actually Andrew Ryan's son who Fontaine, uh, has stolen, stole away from Andrew Ryan earlier, brought him to the surface, brainwashed him and is now using him as his kind of tool of destruction because you need um, Andrew Ryan's DNA to get like access to kind of everything in Rapture. Um, so, you know, Jack is his his component to take over the city and uses him to ultimately kill Andrew Ryan. What did you think about that scene? That that um, the 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 moment where you're presented this this crazy twist and how you interact with Andrew Ryan? Yeah, I mean, it was. I mean, definitely, like, the rug pulled out from under you. It's kind of like the Bruce Willis was dead the whole time moment of gaming, I think, where it just makes you, like, think back to everything and, like, really evaluate the game and then, you know, replay it again later. There are little, like, breadcrumbs that lead up to it in the, like, collectible audio recordings, too, as uh, as well as the, the main main story dialogue. And then you kind of have the like, monologue that Ryan gives to you with this whole... You know, what is free will? Like, do you have free will? A man chooses. A man chooses, a slave obeys, and then he, you know, basically gives you a golf club and tells you to kill him. He's yeah, like, would you kindly you kill choose. me? Yeah. Right, but then you ultimately don't choose and you end up end up killing him, and it's sort of like, I don't know, I figured it was like his own philosophy sort of ended up killing him um, in like a thematic way that seemed to tie up there. Yeah. Um, I thought it was a really, really amazing part of the game and, like, a great kind of, like, cap-off to that section of it. At that point, the game goes on for, I would say, like, a bit too much longer. Um, there's another, I think, like, four or so sections of the game before you, like, fight the last boss. And that part really starts to drag. And I guess this is probably a good part to talk about gameplay a bit because we've talked about... Yeah. atmosphere presentation story even like the philosophy of the game and that's really really good gameplay is only so the, so the gameplay i would say is so so i think most of the stuff i would say about it is pretty nitpicky in general like the gameplay loop of it i found very satisfying um so generally you're kind of put into this i would say like semi open world kind of hub area there's yeah. a very it, it there is a compass quote-unquote compass in the top of the screen that points you like exactly where you need to go but there is an area that there is to explore and there is a benefit to exploring um so it's basically you know get to a new area okay here's your objective but i pretty organically would usually wander off the path and find stuff here and there because there's a lot of cool hidden secrets like little collectibles resources, even, like, environmental storytelling. Like, you'll go under a staircase that was hard to reach, and you'll see, like, a skeleton clutching a lockbox with the money in it and stuff like that. There's, like, these neat little moments that really integrate the gameplay, 
the basic game design and the environmental storytelling. And so, like, basically, you know, find some enemies in a different area, kill them, explore around a bit, find some more enemies, find some more equipment, you know, get to the next objective, then kind of get sent on doing another sub-objective. And it does get a bit monotonous, but I find the world so compelling that it was really enough to keep me involved and integrated with it until pretty much after the Ryan death. That's kind of when the game yeah. stays a bit too long. Yeah, the the Ryan, the whole Ryan scene and the would you kindly stuff is like a true climax Huge of the game. Shell. It's a, it's a, it's a true climax in storytelling where you know like the, the storytelling arc is you have this climax, you know, usually towards the middle or like kind of the end of the second act, maybe start of the third act and then it, it slopes down from there into resolution. I feel like the resolution as as you um, have already said, like the resolution of this game takes a little bit too long. Like they they could take a little bit more out of that. But maybe I I I'm not as um, keen on the gameplay for this game. Like, I think the gunplay is is not great. Usually, not great. Um, the plasmids, like the powers, I, f- I felt that to be the more compelling way to really play this game. Um, since they give you so many options, you know, like even at an early stage of this game, you know, like within the first couple of hours, like you have like six or seven plasmids that you can fuck around with. Um, yeah, which which I really enjoyed. Whereas like you don't have as much gun variety, you have more of the plasmid variety. So I found that to be interesting. Plus they do some interesting things with the um, with the environment where you can like oh if there's like gasoline or like oil on the ground like I can use fire on that and you know light that stuff on fire. Or if you're in a water section, I can use electricity on that to electrify the water. Like I, I like that kind of stuff. Or the fact that you could make enemies attack one another. You know, there's the hacking where you could hack droids or drones to oh, no. uh, hacking. The hacking mini game gets so tiring so quickly. <laughs> I I enjoyed those type of puzzles, but like you know, you get you get frustrated with it after a while. But like I like doing it's those pipes. puzzles. Yeah, I, I like the puzzles. You know the the. You know, the puzzle where it's a pipe and, like, the water's going and you have to, like, quickly adjust all these different pipes to make it to the exit. Like, I find those those type of puzzles really fun and engaging. But, you know, once you get to the latter stages of the game, it's like, okay, I'm fucking, I'm through with this. I'm through with this. Like, I, I don't, I don't want to do this all the time, you know. To me, the, the gun plays definitely less than ideal. Plasmids are really fun. I think, I think I, I, I think it's a very, um very well designed that early on in the game you get a passive a plasmid that gives you like super strong melee attacks with the wrench you know like it, it makes your wrench like very very powerful and that's like oh, one yeah. of the, it's one of the first plasmids or passive plasmids you'll get um if that wasn't in the game i feel like i would have been a lot more frustrated with gameplay but because they give you such a strong melee attack pretty early on it's like okay um, that makes some of the frustrating things that happen in the gameplay a little bit more tolerable uh, because you can, most normal enemies, you can just hit once or twice and they're done. Well, if you build correctly, so there's actually a pretty, I wouldn't say like robust, but like a more robust than you would expect for the type of first-person shooter gameplay this is, sort of role-playing and like progress system in this. So if you build the right plasmids and if you use this uh, research camera you get uh, basically it helps you get more plasmids and get damage boosts against specific enemies. If you use that on the right targets you also get more like boosts. I was 
using the wrench throughout the game is my main weapon. You can build that as your primary damage dealer. Yeah. And it's, it makes the game super simple. Like, I had two that increased my damage, one that made it so I would hit harder if the enemy was unaware, one that life steals if I'm hitting with the wrench, one that freezes occasionally if I'm hitting the wrench. So you can use the wrench even into late game. But yeah, I don't know. I think, I think the biggest condemnation I can give of this game's gameplay is by like two-thirds into it, fighting big daddies is boring. It gets monotonous and kind of tedious because you have all the tools you need to basically just, like stun lock them. Yeah, and, and like, and even if you're not doing that, I feel like big daddies later on in the game and some of the bosses feel like bullet spongy. You know, it's like I, yeah. Even the normal enemies, they just get the, the the starting game enemies and you know give them more health. Yeah, I, I feel like that's it's like kind of elongating the gameplay loop for for not the right reasons. Um, but like, that's the only thing I could say is like a negative about this game. Everything else is is really good. And like the, <laughs> it's funny to say that. Like, well, the real negative part of this video game is the video game part. You know, like, <laughs> but. <laughs> Um, but even that is, it's, it's like kind of minor gripes. This is the type of game that it's like, it's required reading, you know, like if I was a, uh, high school video games teacher, like this is like, <laughs> this is like the summer reading that you would do your freshman yeah. year, you know, this like is this, your great Gatsby. <laughs> yeah. Like a hundred percent. Uh, that's actually a very apt comparison. Um, but one thing I wanted to say too was, uh, you know, I mentioned control earlier on the show. Control is giving me a lot of the same vibes as Bioshock, where it's like, you know, the story and the location is what's really driving me throughout it. And it's like the gameplay's good. It's good gameplay. It's not great. It can be frustrating at times, but everything else around the edges is so good that it's it will it will push you through anything that you find as like an inconvenience because you just want to see what happens next. And I'm hoping in Control it doesn't do the same sort of thing that Bioshock does where it has like a awesome climax and then struggles to find its footing at the end. Um, I, I feel like this game, if you get the good ending where you save all the little sisters, it, it sticks the landing and it, and it successfully continues to make you feel things. Whereas if you don't save all the little sisters, you get kind of a really shitty ending that doesn't that doesn't make you feel good at all and it makes you it's kind of, it feels like a cop out of an ending so in the the real ending i'll call it uh, where you save mm-hmm. all the little sisters when you leave rapture all of the little sisters that are now like just normal little girls you bring all of them to the surface and you kind of rejoin the world like you are now not mind controlled anymore um, so you are free and so are they and then it does this really cool montage of the little sisters growing up and having families and having lives and it's like the the message is like you were able to do this you know the choices you made gave these little girls a future and it does this really cool montage where it kind of just shows the hands of these little girls growing up and you growing older and the little sisters being you know at your deathbed and being like a part of your life just as much as you gave them a lot a life so like it's actually really touching at least in my opinion and it's it's a yeah. really it's a really really great way to cap that game off but if you don't save all the little sisters it, it basically does a hard turn into oh 
you are a monster. Like you are right. you are Andrew Ryan to the nth degree and you just want to consume and destroy. So you basically harvest all the power that you can and then you go to the surface and you get a nuke and then you're like just ready to take over the world. It's like whoa, Yeah. Whoa, where did this go? Uh, right. Right. If you like relate it back to the you know, philosophy of it all, you keep going with the Andrew Ryan philosophy of like your own power, everybody else be damned, and then you nuke the world. It's like okay, you know, that's a bit much. You kind of like lose things through the lose the forest of the trees there. Yeah, and and the thing that I really don't like about that too is that so like there's technically three endings. There is the good ending. There's the wholly bad ending where you harvested every little uh, every little sister and then there's like here's the mixed ending where if you save some and harvest others and the the mixed ending is basically the bad ending but with like a little bit of a different um, tone of voice to the voiceover with like a calmer voiceover yeah <laughs> right and it's like man i feel super bad for the person that hit the wrong button one time and they got that fucking ending you know um, because that happened to me when i was playing when i was originally playing through it um, thank God I saved a lot so I could go back and roll it back. But like, um, I accidentally hit the wrong button once and harvested when I meant to save. And I was like, Nope, I ain't dealing with that shit. Like I am saving all these little yeah. girls. But, uh, but man, like what a fucking video game. Like what a video game. Like, absolutely. Yeah. This, Hey, this, I like this game. Hey, I like this game. Like this game is truly a piece of art. It really makes you feel. It makes you feel a lot of things. Like it makes you feel used. It makes you feel horrified. It makes you think about philosophy, and it makes you think about like your own choices and like kind of the world around you right now. Um, it makes you think about you as a player playing a video game too. You know, like yeah, so many video games. Like I, like Uncharted. Let's take Uncharted for uh, example. Go back to our very first episode. Um, Uncharted 2 and like the action games that it, or the action movies that it apes off of it's like you're killing tons and tons of people indiscriminately because they're the bad guys and you're the good guy but you don't think about it in that way whereas in this game like when you kill a big daddy and you're and you're put in that position to, to save or harvest these little girls it's like it really makes you think about what you're actually doing like the the enemies you're killing, the people you're harming, like it makes you think about those things, and you're not just like a mindless killer, or are you, or are you that? You know, like it, it really makes you think about all those things. It's it's really a beautiful video game. You know, it's, yeah. it's not even beautiful. just the big daddies. It gives that kind of storytelling to even just like some of the generic enemies you fight. Like there's this weird personality that's given to even like generic enemies, and that doesn't really happen in a lot of different places. This game. Yeah, it engages you in such a meaningful way that other games don't do, which just is one of the reasons why, you know, more than a decade later, it's still still phenomenal, still one of the best times I've had playing video games in 2019. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think we're also remiss in not talking about... God, what's... I always forget his name. Is it Cohen? Co- um, yeah, Sander Cohen. Sand- Fort Frolic. Fucking amazing piece of video gaming right there like it's it's great uh he's like a one like super gay character right like fantastic that like has a gay representation in the game um but like that 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 part of the game is is very fun and uh 
you know, his like boss fight, quote unquote, is is a fun, it's a fun section. Yeah, yeah. This game has a lot of great sections. Yeah, Fort Frolic is like a little more than halfway, and that's ooh, that's like right at the top. That's like when this game sings. Uh, yeah. So yeah, yeah. Hey, I yeah. love this game. Yeah, like it, it's... love it. Great. Play it if you didn't already play it, and then listen to the rest of this episode after the spoiler section. Uh, go play it again because it's still really fun, and you're gonna like it playing it a second time. Yeah, yeah, and like I, so I never played Bioshock Two really. That didn't really interest me. I played Bioshock Infinite, and I I enjoyed that game. I didn't enjoy it as much as this game. Bioshock Two or um, Bioshock Infinite does this does another like oh shit moment. But um, that's like at the very end. Like it does this does a lot of interesting things. to kind of a lot of cookie crumbs that that you follow. A lot of threads to say okay, it's doing a lot of interesting things. But when's that fucking moment? And then the game does it all at once at the very end, which I didn't like as much. Um, I I think Bioshock is is going to be the one that kind of lasts the test of time. Um, Absolutely, and it's. This game is fantastic. Hey, hey, I like this game. Hey, I like this game. Hey, did you know that I like this game? Because I do. Yeah. Anyway, answer your question. Bioshock 2 tightens up the gameplay a little bit, but other than that, it's significantly worse. Yeah. Play Bioshock 1. Play Bioshock Infinite. If you love the gameplay and you're, you're really hungry for some more, maybe Bioshock 2. Yeah. But speaking of absolutely by default hey i like that games do you want to know what we're playing next week <laughs> i i do i do <laughs> is this a spooky game are we sticking with the spooky Ooh, it is the mm, mm, spookiest of games so Ooh. there's another uh, there's another nintendo ip that's coming out very very soon that i cannot wait to get my hands on oh, I so know we're gonna happening. play one of the earlier games. This was actually a request from a while ago that we've been sitting on. Ooh. Uh, so, Tony, you and I are going to be playing Luigi's Mansion. Oh, yes! All right. I get chills just saying the name of the game. I love this game. I hey, I like that game for the next episode. You can skip the next episode. Play Luigi's Mansion more. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to it. That, that's, uh, that one should be good. I, I played that game... Right when it first came out, the GameCube was the first system I bought with my own money, and that was the first video game that I bought. Uh, first video game for the first console I bought with my own money, and uh, I played the shit out of that game. But uh, I, I haven't touched it since, so it would be fun to go back to it. Uh, so next episode, hey, I like that game, Luigi's Mansion. Jake, uh, where can the people find us on, on, the, on the internets? On the internet, so you can find our podcast page on Facebook. Just search "Hey, I like that game." You'll find us right there at the top. You can email us at "Hey, I like that game" at gmail dot com, or you can find us at Twitter at "Like that game." Yes, yes. So uh, feel free to reach out. This was a fun episode, Jake. I'm glad uh, we were able to do it. Yeah, this was a good one. I was glad I was able to like really get into a game and kind of like yell about it a little bit, but it wasn't as bad as Final Fantasy fourteen. <laughs> Just we'll live in infamy. Final <laughs> Fantasy fourteen. I'm keeping that shortcut on my desktop so I can just get mad every time I boot it up. (laughs) Wow. All right, folks. Thank you for listening. Uh, Rate and review. It really helps us out. We love everybody. Peace. Later. Thanks for listening, everybody. Make sure to subscribe on whichever platform you're listening to us on. And also drop us a rating and review. It would really mean a lot to us. Thanks. Tune in next time.